is Lady Tiffany Ma, and this is These Walls Within. I hope you guys are having a lovely and warm Tuesday afternoon. When I tell you it is cold, it is cold. I've been out of the house all day, so I wouldn't know what cold is. But I'm looking at my thing right now. And it says, uh, it's 27 degrees. I can look at my phone right now and it will tell you that it is. My phone just died. <laughs> I haven't charged my phone all day, which I, which is weird, you know. But, you know. I hope you guys are having a lovely Tuesday. I hope you guys are staying warm. Hope you guys are staying safe out there. So, today... Today's podcast is going to be about something very interesting, okay? And this will be um, the last podcast I think I'll be doing on group serial killers. Um, I would start doing specific cases, cases dealing with one specific particular person um, next week. Okay. Um, but I will be finishing this off. I'll be finished off the serial killers um, today. I made a grave mistake. I went live yesterday on YouTube. You have not, you know, have not been to my YouTube channel. It's called It's Still Thin After Show. I talk about the pop culture and what's going on in this world. Um, basically, I do commentary. Um, but on here, I try to, you know, when I like doing true crimes. I like doing mysterious situations. I like doing weird paranormal activity, weird cases, government-funded situations. So I made a great the mistake and said I was going to be doing the Long Island Killer not realizing the Long Island killer, serial killer, is the Giglo Beach murderer. Those two are the same. So, and I, I looked it up and I said it even on my live. I was like, I think they're one and the same. I think they're the same. They are the same. So I deeply apologize if I confuse anybody over there at YouTube about what uh, the Giglo Beach murderers were. Um, the Giggle Beach murderers and the Long Island serial killer is the same person. So today I will be talking about something that you never want to happen. You know? Today I will be talking about the Border Patrol serial killer. Yes, you heard me say it, the Border Patrol serial killer. I'll be talking about that today. It's not much I want to talk about except for everybody and a mama who have soundbited this T.G. Jakes 
soundbite. Honey. Everybody in their mama done, 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 done did this soundbite. Y'all want to hear it? has been playing this soundbite over and over and over and over and over again. This goes all the way back to the whole Diddy situation. And it was so weird because after hearing that over and over again, for some reason this morning, I woke up and I decided to look at this girl who, look at this lady who obtained documents pertaining to Kim Porter and the autopsy pertaining to Kim Porter. First of all, they did not tell you exactly what was in the autopsy. She had no virus. She had no pneumonia, but she did have bruises on her arms and her legs. Let me see who, let me, I forgot because I just picked that up off of YouTube. But let me go back to, to where I find this young lady at this morning that was talking about what was going on with Kim Porter. Um, let me find her name real quick. I want you guys to see the video. She obtained the autopsy documents about what was going on with Kim Porter. Her name is Nor Jasmine. It is Jasmine with the S. J-A-S-M-I-N-E. Um, and she has the documents, the autopsy of Kim Porter, which was totally opposite of what they came out and reported that happened to her. So, girl, let me tell you something. I guess I, I am going to come on here and talk about the, the, the crime that Diddy has committed because it does go along with sex trafficking. But we're in the last two weeks of January. And before I end my January, um, my Jack the Ripper January, I do want to talk about Julie Mack. I want to talk about Piper Lewis. And I want to talk about, uh, it's his name. Let me get his name right. Because when I found out about Julie Mack, I was like, oh my God. Y'all know about Piper. Her name is Piper Lewis. Piper Lewis is a young lady that was sex trafficked and they made her pay the family back. Billy London. So I'm talking about Billy London, June Mack, um, and Piper Lewis. And then I will end my January off with the police raid and a prostitution ring. Um, so... This case today, the one about the the Border Patrol um, basically kidnapping and, and killing prostitutes, this one is going to be my last one dealing with someone who is attacking a whole group of people. My next one is going to be uh, just specific individuals in specific cases. But when I do get the info, when I do get the documents, which I know they're on every social media page you can find, I will be reading off what Diddy is accused of doing. 
Okay? But far as I'm concerned, it's an allegation that T.D. Jakes allegedly was at one of Diddy's uh, parties, freak-off parties, okay? Allegedly. Um, And I'm going soft on T.D. Jakes because I don't have enough information to drag him. Now, my discernment is different, but I'm not going to go after T.D. Jakes until I have physical evidence and proof that he was at these freak-off parties doing weird shit. Okay? So, until then, today we're going to be talking about the Border Patrol Police, uh, Border Patrol Serial Killer. Girl. This is all about someone playing Swingali, honey. Okay? This is Swingali at its finest. Okay? Like, for you to use your job to attack prostitutes is beyond me. So I have two articles dealing with this case. One of them is the Texas Monthly. And if I'm talking funny, please bear with me. It's really cold, so it's affecting the whole side of my face. And my cold side of my face is sore. Um... So, I want you guys to sit back and relax. That's if you can't relax. I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. I'm not going to tell you relax. I do want you to be warm, though. I hope everybody out there is warm or somewhere at a warming station. My heart goes out to the unhoused. Um, I just hope you found a warming center. I hope you find a warm place somewhere. Because it is it's cold. It is really cold. It's really cold. And the crazy thing is today is as the day went by, it got colder. It was 34 degrees when I woke up and it started dropping. So last time I checked, it said it was um, 30 degrees with the sun out. I can't imagine how cold it's going to get. All our lows are in the low teens, okay? I think last year it went down to 7 degrees. No, was it last year or the year before that? It was one of them years it went down to seven degrees. So, I want you guys to stay warm. Give you a nice warm drink. I want you to relax. I got some content for you. We'll be talking about the Border Patrol serial killer. And it says, what drove Juan David Ortiz, a respected Border Patrol agent, to become a serial killer? I I will say this. Um... I don't know the reason why they're building a police camp, why they're funding it. But my, my, in my heart's desire is I hope they're building it to make sure that police officers are being screened for psychological evaluation. Because it goes by way too much where they have hired a psychopath and you might as well went ahead and just got um, Ted Bundy as your uh, police officer. Because some of these police officers are serial killers and they can be serial killers legally, especially since they like killing a certain group of people. I'm not trying to black life matters you, but I want to just go ahead and say they have serial killed and have done things like that because they can legally do it. When you're a police officer, you can have a gun. So I'm hoping they, it's 25 degrees, girl. 
Well, I'm at is 25 degrees. My my computer is a totally different location, but it is 25 degrees. It is cold. I've been blowing my heat all day, hoping that it get warm, and it does not, and it never does get warm. The lowest it's supposed to hit tonight is 14 degrees. It feels like 12. And this this story is a, a prime example of somebody using their authority figure, their authority, their authoritative positioning to hurt people. So, um, this is why police officers need to be evaluated. I don't believe in, in disbanding the police. They need to be psychologically evaluated before they become a police officer. Because to be an FBI agent, you have to be psychologically evaluated. You know? So this article is basically saying, it says, it sounded like something out of a bad fiction. A cop asked to investigate murders that he himself had committed. It was 2019. I wasn't writing about a series of vicious killers. But this is this is about taking place this taking place in the border city of Laredo a year earlier. Over a period of 12 days, two sex workers had been picked up from what we were known as the prostitute blocks on San Bernardo Avenue. Taken to remote areas northwest of the city and shot in the head. After another potential victim made a daring escape from the killer's white pickup truck, she led the police to his house. Two more women would be shot and killed before he was apprehended. The women who turned out to be U.S. Border Patrol supervisor, Juan David Ortiz, who was part of the law enforcement team that had been assigned to hunt for the killer. This week, after more than five hours of deliberation, a jury found Ortiz guilty of capital murder. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Everyone... Okay, so the narrators basically spoke to people who knew Ortiz and was flabbergasted. Uh, was flabbergasted. Okay. A former emergency medical technician for the U.S. Navy who had done a tour of duty in Iraq, Ortiz had joined the Border Patrol in 2009. One of his buddies from the Marines told me that the doc that was the Ortiz nickname genuinely cared about the migrants crossing the border. He wanted to use his medical skills to help migrants who had been traveling for days in the desert, the Marine buddy said. Ortiz was indeed a respected agent, dedicated and hardworking. There was only one complaint ever filed against him. A migrant accused Ortiz of stealing one of his cigarettes. But after an internal investigation, the complaints were dismissed. By 2017, Ortiz had been promoted to the position of intelligence supervisor at the South Texas Border Intelligence Center in Laredo. In his spare time, he earned a master's in international relations at St. Mary University in San Antonio. He seemed destined for bigger and better than things at the agency. What's more, people what's more, people who knew Ortiz told me he seemed to be such a great man. He is a he and his wife, Daniela, were happily married. They always happily married. They and their two younger children lived in a newly built beige colored Stucco's house. Home, sorry. On Sundays, the family attended the first assembly of God. 
I feel like this is written by somebody else, so maybe I should go to the other. I just pick a part. So the writer of this story basically said they did not hear um, anything bad about Ortiz at all. Nothing. One of his Marine buddies said that Ortiz would occasionally send him texts about the rigors of the job. He wrote that he felt that he was back in Iraq going to war every day. The Marine buddy suspected Ortiz was experiencing long repressed PTSD. He suggested Ortiz get some help and Ortiz did at least for a while go to Laredo's VA clinic where he was prescribed medication. Now I want to say this. Um, as someone who's studying psychology, I am against using medication. Um, I want the people. I, I don't believe in the practice of giving out medication. But some cases, like you know, schizophrenia, schizophrenia, um, dissociative um, personality disorder, dissociative identity disorder. Sorry, they um, do need medication. Um, he said PTSD. I just wonder what they get, what they, what would the medication they treated him? What is it really for? Because to me, it seemed like. There was darker issues here. Still, with y'all knowing that information about him having to go to the VA um, for what people seem to suspect is repressed PTSD. It could be something more severe. None of his co-workers since Ortiz has some sort of dark side. No one had ever heard him say anything about a hatred of sex workers. In fact, according to the Webb County District Attorney, Isidro Chilo Elanese, the lead prosecutor at Ortiz's trial just before the killing began in 2018, Ortiz was told he was being considered for another promotion at the South Texas Border Intelligence Center. So the question is, why would he do something like that? And this is why I say he has to have had something a little bit more severe, um, not just PTSD. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what PTSD and soldiers look like. I I don't. I'm not, I don't have my full degree yet. But um, to me, I feel like he has a little bit more than PTSD to do what he did. Okay. Let me continue. Elanese had the jury watch a video of Ortiz being interrogated for nearly 10 hours by a Texas Ranger and a captain with the Webb County Sheriff's Department. For a few hours, Ortiz denied everything. Finally, in a matter-of-fact voice, he acknowledged he had done the killing. He said that when he drove along San Bernardo Avenue, the monster came out and urged him to clean up the avenue by getting rid of the prostitutes, whom he called trash and so dirty. I will say this. Anytime, and I you hear this a lot, not all men are like this, okay? But you hear this from some men. To me, it's kind of like how men treat gays, how they treat women who are in sex work, they they have this 
mentality of that this is not a human being, this is a sinner, and this sinner needs to be dealt with. A good example is how they're treating Lil Nas X right now. I will say this. I understand the whole part about not playing with God. Because I would I, I despise Lil Nas X for playing with God. But I don't understand the need to bash someone severely just because they're gay. So I don't understand the need to, I understand cleaning up the neighborhood, I understand fixing the neighborhood, but to take someone's life as, as a resolution, that is giving uh, genocide. Like you want to kill a group of people because of what they're doing for a living, not trying to understand their situation and why they're put there. Um, that is a genocidal maniac kind of look to it to me. So it's crazy because it's like you see this in Law and Order SVU. I watch a lot of Law and Order SVU. And you'll see it has to be key words a person used for you to discover that this person did something. And one of it was he used key one of the key words was that he said he he said he that he when he drove alongside the Bernardo Avenue, the monster came out and urged him to clean up the avenue by getting rid of the prostitutes. He called them trash and dirty. But was it to you that they're prostitutes? Was it to you that a grown woman, praise God that they're all grown women, made a decision to be a sex worker? Why does that bother you so much? And I'm one of those people where you have to let people live their life to understand. Okay? We all live our life in certain phases. And maybe sometimes people are in a dark place so bad they don't know any other way. But to refer to these prostitutes as trash and dirty, it's just it shows you that he didn't see them nothing more as trash. Instead of seeing them as people who have just lost their way. Let me continue. Ortiz has openly acknowledged that he had become a customer of most of the women he killed. I thought he was a happy husband. According to one woman who testified at the trial, Ortiz was a regular customer. She liked him. He was nice, smart, funny, and a normal guy. He would give her money to buy narcotics, drive her to a drug house, and then have sex with her in his pickup on the side of the road or at a park or even at his home when his wife and children were out of town. Girl. It doesn't make sense. This is the same thing with the... The Giggle Beach murderers. Because at first, I was like, how do you get away with that? Because, you know, us women, we inquisitive. We 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 know when y'all doing something weird. Y'all say y'all ain't doing nothing weird. We know you're doing something weird. But it's because the wife and the children were out of town. It didn't make sense. One hand, one On one hand, he enjoyed the company of these women. Then he wanted to kill them. See what I'm saying? I feel like there's something more there besides PTSD. He definitely do have PTSD, though. During his interrogation, Ortiz said he did indeed suffer from PTSD from his deployment in Iraq, and he did take prescription medication of depression and anxiety. Sometimes he said that when he downed, he downed the concoction of medication with alcohol, he would black out completely. See? Oh, you're taking psych meds with the alcohol. You're not supposed to do that.
see, y'all read the Bible. Oh, y'all all read the Bible. I mean, I'm taking medication, even medication that isn't psych meds. And it said no alcohol consumption. He's suggesting that during these blackouts, he seemed to be implying he said he, he unknowingly did the killings. How you remember if you got blacked out? District Attorney Alanis said Ortiz, El Alanis said Ortiz knew exactly what he was doing. He not only plotted out the killings, Alanis claimed he did his best to hide his fake behavior from his fellow investigators who were trying to hunt down the killer. At one point, Elanese told me one of the he told the, the writer of this this evening, I didn't talk to this person. One of the investigators called in a request to the South Texas Border Intelligence Center, asking for help in finding a veteran sex worker named Claudine Lura, who occasionally worked San Bernardo Avenue, and who had told others that she had an idea about who was behind the killing. The next day, Lura was found murdered. Alanis asked the juror, "Did Ortiz, who was a duty, who was on duty that day, hear about the call about asking about Laura? Did he hunt her down and kill her before she got a chance to talk to the other investigators and perhaps identify Ortiz, or was it a coincidence she died that day?" Said Alanis, "I don't think it was. He definitely hunted her down. You know, them veteran prostitutes—they know everything." They even know your faves be coming down through there, ordering them for parties. We ain't, we ain't gonna go there. We ain't gonna go there. But I'm just saying, the veteran prostitutes know how things go. Following the verdict, family members of the victims were allowed to take the witness stand and speak to Ortiz. They told him that he was a personification of evil. Ortiz kept his head down, and when the trial was concluded, he was escorted out of the courtroom by bailiffs. Alanis told me that he, okay, he's not talking to me, he talked to the writer of this article, that he think Ortiz's murder spree will always remain a mystery. There are times when you find out why someone committed a crime, and there are times when you just don't, when you don't. He said, sorry. All I know is that I am thankful Ortiz was caught. He would have gone a long time killing women and hiding the evidence that implicated him. He was brutally relentless killer and he was going, he wasn't going to let anyone stop. ABC did a special on him. It's crazy how the same person that can save your life is the same person that can kill you. So this next article, I'm not going to read the whole article. I'm going to read the part where it kind of there's a victim or there's somebody who's been in a situation that will tell you about what specifically happened 
um, and this specific victim, the specific person is Erica Pena. And I want you to hear her testimony of exactly what was up with Ortiz. Okay. On the stand, Pena testified that she was on. Oh, I forgot, I forgot to tell you the article. The article is from KSAT.com. And it said, on the stand, Pena testified that she was a drug addict and a prostitute in 2017 when she was picked up by Ortiz, someone she had met up with before as a client of hers. Since her attack, Pena had been in and out of jail as well as rehab. At the time of her testimony, she was on methadone to help her with the sobriety and had been sober for 11 months. Pena spoke about the night she was attacked, how she noticed Ortiz acting differently, and how he mentioned her friend, Melissa Ramirez. There's a trend in uh, his victims also. Mm. All of a sudden, he said he was afraid they would check his DNA because he was second to last to be with Melissa, she said. Pena went on to say at this point she felt uneasy and had a feeling that Ortiz was behind her friend's murder. She said she threw up and blamed on not having much to eat for the day. When Ortiz took her to get food at a nearby gas station, Pena said that she took a turn for the worse. As soon as she took out the gun, he just stared at me and didn't say anything. I opened the door, she said. I took off running and I snapped. You got out of the truck, you said, without your blouse, one of the attorneys asked. Yes, Pena replied. What happened to your blouse, they questioned. I don't know, she answered. How did you lose your blouse? They pressed her again. I don't even know. Everything happened so fast, Pena responded. Pena ran straight to the DPS trooper who was putting gas in his unit. She was yelling for help. It was when the police got the break they were looking for. But what they didn't know is that while they were looking for Ortiz, two more women would be killed. Police didn't know that they would that until they finally arrested Ortiz and took him in for questioning. So that's what his what was almost his victim, Erica Pena, testified testimony as to exactly what specifically happened. <sighs> yes, this podcast is going to be short. Because like I said, my jaw is sore. My face is hurting. And I'm tripping right now. If I find some more articles dealing with him, I will let you know. Like I said before, I need to get better at doing my research on these cases. Um, With that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Oh, my God. My charger fell off. (laughs) Hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast about the Border Patrol killer. The next case I'll be talking about is Billy London. I tell you guys, I go from cases, I go from stories about serial killers to specific stories about somebody who is in sex work being killed. I'll be talking about Billy London since I found out yesterday that the Long Island serial killer is the same as the Gila Beach serial killer. So the next case will be about the porn star Billy London. I hope you guys are warm. I hope you guys stay safe. 
This is Lady Tiffany Ma. This is These Walls Within. What you do in the dark will come to light. I always come to light what you're doing. It's always comes to light what you're doing. You may think it's a secret, but somebody who's there is an eyewitness to what you're doing and will tell on you and will snitch on you and tell your whole story. There's somebody right now watching me as I'm over here talking and will tell you a whole story about me. They can say what the fuck they want to about me. I know I did anything illegal. Thank you guys for listening to my podcast. See you this Thursday. Bye-bye.